Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on J Root Radio Live today at, on Wednesday, December 30th. We're back, Razat Hashem, for a live broadcast. We're missing for a couple of weeks. We had the holidays. We interrupted the regular schedule of the Halakhot. We spoke about different things. Things came up last week. And now, Razat Hashem, we're back on live <coughs> and uh, living. Okay, so let's get to the Halakha class. The numbers to call into the radio are 347-927-8398. That's the text line. If you have any questions, you should send it through the text line. The subject is Mukseh. We're back to discussing the Halachot of Mukseh. We're in a new parasha in the Benish Hayin, Parashat Vayigash, Shana Shenia. The We'll talk about that in a second. We'll discuss what that is all about in a second. But we just wanted to tell everybody that if you have any questions that you'd like to call in for, Please do so after 3 o'clock. We'll be here to answer any questions off the air. If you like your questions to be answered while on the air, text it in to the number we just said before, and we'll say again, 347-927-8398. The number to call in, which we'll repeat hopefully after we, if we remember, if we have time, by 3 o'clock, and that is 718-683-5858. Before we get the actual halakha of Parashat Vayigash, of Muqseh from the Benish Hai, we, as we usually do, we discuss the current events in Halakha. Current events in Halakha, there's a little bit of Halakha at Anyan that people should be aware of. And that is that last Motza'e Shabbat, we began the weeks of Shobebim. These are very, very special weeks for those who know what they are. And for those of us who are unaware of the Shobebim, we're going to spend a little bit, a few minutes to discuss what Shobabim is all about, especially this year, as the Shlah says, that the main time, the main part of Shobabim was really instituted for a year where there's a double Adar, what we know as Shana Me'uberet, a leap year. When there's a Shana Me'uberet, it's a special, Shobabim takes on a special time, we add extra weeks to Shobabim, become Shobabim Tat, and therefore we want to discuss a little bit, a few minutes, to discuss what Shobimim is all about, and practically how are we supposed to approach it, men and women, by the way. This is not just for men, although mainly the Mikubalim speak about this time period that's supposed to be tikkun for the men, but still, women could also participate in their own little bit of tikkunim, as we'll discuss. Let's begin first basics. What in the world is Shobimim? told me he started Motzei Shabbat. I didn't hear about it in the shul. Nobody discussed it. What in the world is Shobabim? Shobabim is actually an acronym. It's Rashi Tebot of the six weeks from Parashat Shemot until Parashat Mishpatim. And as you guessed it by now, Shin Vav Bet Bet Yud Mem is Shin stands for Shemot. Vav is Va'era. Bet is Parashat Bo. The second bit is Beshalah. Yod is Yitro, and finally Mem is Mishpatim. When it's a leap year, Shana when we have two months of Adar, two more weeks are added, and those two weeks are Terumah and Tetzaveh. So it makes it Shobebim Tat. That's simply what Shobebim is. Now, what, what's so special about these weeks? Mikubalim bring down. This is not something that you'll find in the Gemara. Certainly not in the Torah or Midrashim. The Mikubalim are the ones who introduced to us this concept of Shobebim, the Arizal, and others. And they explain the importance of these weeks. These weeks are a time of Teshubah. These weeks are a time of repentance. 
but specifically in the area of ta'avot of desires. The Mikubalim explains something very, very interesting. If we really had time, if this wasn't a halakha class, we'll be discussing this at length. So we'll just give you bekitsur because we have to come back to halakha. But in short, basically, we have to know that our neshamot are all recycled. What do I mean? Hazal tell us that really, or the Mikubalim tell us that really neshamot come to this world and when they depart from this world, Parts of the neshama and sometimes a full neshama comes back into a different body and they come back to basically accomplish its actual mission, its original intent, what Hashem sent it for to do in this world. So that's what we call as gilgul, basically what they call reincarnation. The souls or part of the souls that needs fixing comes back. And therefore, we, ha- we could safely say we we're all recycled souls. We're all the same souls coming back again and again in each generation to fix certain things. Hazal tell us something very interesting. Hazal tell us that Adam HaRishon was separated from his wife for 130 years. That's Gemara Mefureshit. And the Gemara Arubin says in that period of time, Adam HaRishon fell uh, to his, basically you want to say desires or whatever it was, but in that 130 years where he separated from his wife, angels or demons were created out of him Basically, the souls, demons are souls without a body. They were created out of him and they were there. They were, you know, basically hovering around. Those souls eventually took body, a body form, in the times when, in the time when the Jewish people were in Egypt. When they went down to Egypt, as we read in the Parashot right now, and they went to slavery, those souls that were created from Adam Shom without a body, came into bodies into in the, that period of time when the Jewish people were in Egypt, and all the suffering that the Jewish people went through, whether it was the children drowning in the water, or the children being placed in the bricks, or the embitterment of their lives, as you'll hear on the 15-minute uh, parasha roundup on Friday, all of these souls basically got their tikkun, Somehow or another. That's what Mikubalim bring down. You, we, we cannot question it in those few minutes that we have. If you have a question and understanding, ask your local Mikubal. In any case, being that those souls came back as a reincarnation in those times in, in Mitzrayim, they didn't get their complete tikkun. They didn't get completely fixed. They have to come back in different generations, and especially, especially... In the generation before Mashiach comes, these souls will come back to get their final, final tikkun, the final fixing. Okay? So far, so good? Okay, not so much Kabbalah. In any case, for us, as we read those parashiyot or the Jewish people being in Egypt, going into slavery and being redeemed in the weeks to come, coming out of slavery and finally becoming a Jewish nation by receiving the Torah, which is complete in Parashat Mishpatim and the two parashiyot in a leap year that discussed the building of the Mishkan and the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, we, as we read them, Mikubalim say, we also connect to these souls because all our souls are in a way connected to these souls that were created by Adam Rishon and therefore it's incumbent, uh, incumbent upon us in these times to work on the areas which basically those needed tikkun. And that's the area of physical desire. That's things that have to do, a lot of things have to do with physical desire, mean to say what you eat, what you look at, what you think about, and all the other things related to it. Now, it's also a time to work on things that have to do with your mouth. 
Therefore, if you look at the books of the Mikubalim, they talk about fasting these days. Shobabim are known to be weeks of fasting. Once upon a time when people had energy, and perhaps even today, the people fasted from Motzei Shabbat until Friday night, until Shabbat. They wouldn't eat a whole week. Shabbat only they would eat. How in the world did they have energy? Very simple. They never have car, didn't have cars. They walked everywhere. They didn't eat fried chips and food and all these kind of things. So they had energy. Well, we, unfortunately, Yeridat Dorot. Our food is not real food. We eat all types of junk. We barely exercise. We barely move. If a guy has to park his car down the block from the shul, oiva voy and the whole, you know, it's, it's a tremendous sar, kaparat avonot, if he has to walk down the block, right? Because, voy, it's a gzeram in shamayim that he has to do such a thing. And by the way, he only lives two blocks away from the shul. In any case, that's us. So therefore, we feel it much harder. We just had a fast on Asra Betebet and... Uh, most people were suffering. I, uh, when could we eat? When could we eat? Okay, I'm not uh, making fun. I'm just telling you the way we are. That's a, that's a thing. So therefore, fasting by us, you don't hear that people fast for a full week. And we can't even imagine that somebody will have the energy to fast for a full week. And by the way, continue functioning in the normal way. So if a person could fast Mondays and Thursdays, it's also brought down. But as all the poskim now and halakhad talk about, if you are an employee... Working for someone, or if you're a ben Torah learning kolel, and by fasting, you're going to cut down from your work. What's your work? Whether it's work that you're working for your boss, or if you're going to cut down from your learning Torah, so lo shaveh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You want to fast? Maybe if you have a Sunday off, fast then. When you're not being paid to do anything, you're, it's your own time. But say that you want to fast and fast then. But when you're going to accept upon yourself a stringency of fasting, which you're not obligated to, it's good to do, but you're not obligated to do, on somebody else's back, on the account of somebody else, that's already, you're in the gather of stealing perhaps. So it's not so simple. So, okay, so what do we do then? How do we, what do we do as a tikkun? What's the special things to do in these days? It's like we said, being that, it's times our person should work on his ta'avot and his desires. The Shem Mishmuel quotes a Midrash. I can't go through the Midrash right now. We start a little bit late. But basically the Midrash talks about Eliezer was a smart, wise slave. Why? He came from Canaan. Eliezer Ibn Abraham. And he knew he has to be a slave because that was the curse of, uh, of Noah. So he decided that I'm going to be the slave of Abraham Abinu. If I'm going to be a slave, let me be at least a slave of Abraham Abinu. Likewise, there's the Gzera. Uh, this is a gzera of these shovevim, what we read about the Jewish people being also slaves. Slaves to Mitzrayim, which is Farim bring down the means from the word Mitzarim, enclosement. These are people who feel trapped in their lives that they don't, can't escape, and therefore we need tikkun to get out of the entrapment of our ta'avot. A lot of people are entrapped in their ta'avot. They can't control themselves. They can't control themselves when they see food and that they're not supposed to eat, when they see things they're not supposed to look at, when they, they, they can't control themselves around these kind of things. That's a metzarim. That's a type of enslavement. In these weeks, when we read about enslavement and the redemption from slavery, it's the time also to... Loosen ourselves to break free from that enslavement. So you can enslave yourself to ta'avot or you can enslave yourself to the Torah. By the Torah, be a slave to the Torah. Instead of fasting, do what this Farim bring down, ta'anit dibur. Don't talk. I want to read you a quote from the Igeret Gra, a letter that the Gra, I go on Rabbi Eliyahu Mevilna, famous Gra 
uh, the Grama uh, Vilna. So he writes, the Vilna Gaon, he writes in a letter to his family, I think it was the last will and testament, but he writes when he was, you know, he was in Galut a lot, so he left, in his letter he writes some good advice for his family. And listen to what he writes over there. He says like this, Until the day a person passes away, part of this world is that a person has to go through suffering. Mislat Yisrael brings similar words when, when he says, you know, there's, show me a guy who has it good all his life. There's no such a thing. It doesn't exist. We always strive to go and, you know, you can go on, a lot of people go on vacation now, winter vacation. They're excited. They can't wait. No, does it ever go perfect? No. They come back. Whether you had a good time or not, you have to say, I had a great time. So people don't, don't look at you as a loser. Oh, you spent so much money and you didn't have a good time. So that's the way it is. Adiyomoto Adam and if even you had a good time, you have to pay for it afterwards. Somebody's paying for it. Zelo pashut, right? A person has to suffer until the day he dies. However, how? Seems like the grass saying over here that you have to bring it upon yourself. Says the grass. It's not by fasting and bringing physical pain upon himself. Listen to what he says. By putting a muzzle on your mouth and on your desires. Control your mouth and control your desires. And then he says, You want to know what Teshubah is? When we always talk about Tikkun and Shobebim and Teshubah in general, you know what Teshubah is? This is it. Muzzle your mouth. Close your mouth. Close your text message. Restrict yourself from just letting things come out of your mouth or into your mouth. And the fruits of your labor for Olamba, you know, we want to know what reward of Olamba, where does it come from? From what you do over here, from closing your mouth and controlling what comes out of your mouth. And this is worth more than all the fast and all the suffering in the world. Every moment, every split second, don't think that, oh, you know, I could control myself for five seconds. I can't do it the whole day. Even that's good. He's telling you every moment that a person seals his mouth, of course, not from talking to Torah, from talking nonsense. So you seal your mouth from talking about nonsense. And Kavahomer, Devarim Asurim, says the Gra, Zoche Bishbilo Leor Ganuz. You merit for closing your mouth to that hidden light. That no angel, no creature in the world could even imagine. What are you looking for? You're looking to atone your sin? This is how you atone all sins. At times people go through uh, discomfort, sufferings. And the good people will say, why is Hashem doing this to me? Which is exactly what we're supposed to do. But unfortunately, we get we don't we don't know we don't have nevi'i and we get so confused and we don't know exactly what Hashem wants from us. So as a result, we start trying to fix things that really are not there. We don't know. Here, the God is telling you, you want kapara for all sins. This is how to do it: seal your mouth and your desires, and that's your teshuvah. And this will save you from going down to. H-E double hockey sticks. We all know what that is. Gehinnam. This will save you from going to Gehinnam as this Farim bring down. In this world also there's a concept of Gehinnam. Where a person falls in Sha'aretum'ah and he can't get out of his Averot. He's stuck in his Averot. He can't get out of it. And of course Averot, here we're talking to a large crowd. It's uh, custom made. Whatever you are, whoever you are. Everybody knows what his Averot on his level I, when I, what somebody could be eating Yom Kippur and then some people, you know, the wrong mahshaba for them is already a world of Avirot. Each one on his level. This is the way to do it. 
control your mouth and your desires. So therefore, tachlis. We'll come practically. Let's talk about now what do we do? What's practical ideas to work on in these weeks? Like we mentioned, we have eight weeks. Until we read in the Torah, Parashat Tetzaveh, it's considered Shobabim, Shobabim Tat. And some Sfarim, I think it's the Magen Abraham, brings down that also some even um, you know, extend it to Parashat all the way until Parashat Pekudeh. In any case, for the at least the eight weeks this year, what's there for us to do? I'll give you a few ideas. Number one is Torah. As much as you can get Torah in your life, go and get it. Classes, go make classes. You're going to classes already? Try to increase more Torah. Chaperine over here, five minutes here. Try to grab a few more minutes over there. If you're not going to classes on a regular basis, make it a regular basis at least in these weeks. Number two, remember it's your mouth, proper speech. Lashon hara. Let's okay. Let's be honest. Let's be real with ourselves. We all speak lashon hara to a certain extent, and we justify what we, how we speak, and who we speak about. So. Think about it before you speak. Learn some halachot of Lashon Hara and see, you know, and don't say, ah, it's too mahmir, and don't interpret it your own way. Take the strict understanding of the halacha because that's probably the understanding of the halacha and be careful who you speak about. There's no heter to start speaking about things that you don't agree with. It doesn't make a difference if you're a regular person that's working or if you're a Tamir Hakam in Yeshiva or Kolel guy. I know some people feel that, you know what, I'm privileged, I have, have uh, the the heter to speak about anybody I want because of a certain status. Some people in their families, they feel they have a heter to speak about their brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and their father-in-laws. Me, Omar, where'd you get that from? where we get that from? It's because it's your family? Yeah, I wouldn't care. I would say it in front of them. Most of the time, you probably wouldn't say it the same way you're saying it. And even if you would, you can't just, it's a Yisudaraita. You wouldn't paskin on your own food, right? If it's taref or kasher, you'll go to somebody who knows. Lashorah should not be any less. So proper speech is something to work on in these weeks. Number three, it's brought down in Sefarim Tzedakah. Give Tzedakah as much as you can in these weeks. And don't say, ah, spending more money. Listen, people are ready to spend on vacations, right? So whether you go on vacation or not, if you go on vacation, so you're spending anyway. So spend a little bit more on tzedakah. And if you're not going on vacation, so you saved a little bit of money. Whatever, of course, a person has to know what his level, but still, if you could give a little bit more, try to give a little bit more tzedakah. By the way, charity is also not only in money, it's also in helping other people. If you can't donate money, donate time. And finally, be careful in your berachot. Spend a little bit more time thinking about the beracha you're about to make, or beracha harona, beracha rishona, or beracha harona on food, because like we said, this encompasses everything: eating and 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 speaking. It all comes together when you make a beracha. Maybe say with kavana. So we could all work on these things in our in the areas. And in general, in general, a person should be on the lookout in these days for anything that has to do again with physical desires or the mouth, especially in the mitzvah of Lotaturu Okay, we'll stop over here in regards to Shobavim. We'll come back now to Parashat Vayigash. We're picking up from where we left off in the Halachot of Mukseh. There are two parashiot in Sefer Ben Ishai that discuss the laws of Mukseh. Parashat Miketz discusses pretty much most of the Mukseh that we will deal with. In Parashat Vayigash, 
the Ben Ishai continues in Halachot of Mukseh, but he discusses here the laws of specifically of Mukseh Mahamat Gufo. In this parasha, really, two subjects that we haven't really come, you know, discuss it in detail. We definitely discussed Mukseh Mahamat Gufo in Parashat Miketz. We discussed it in the past, in the last few classes. But Mukseh Mahamat Gufo in detail and in understanding it the proper way so we should know how to act upon it, we haven't really discussed it. This will be in this week's part, in, in Parashat Vayigash, and we hope in a few classes coming up to delve into the subject, talk about all different things that are practical to us. Of course, we're going to have to go to the sources and understand what they really mean and then apply it to us. Uh, if you're wondering what would be included over here, a lot of things over here that are practical, like basketballs, garbages, and all these different kind of things. Whether we spoke about them in the past or not, you know, we discussed them, some of them in a little bit more detail. We'll see <clears throat> what we're going to talk about later on. We'll discuss more. And the other thing that's discussed over here, it's also shayach, it's also very important to understand, and that is the category of Muqsay known as basis le dabara asur. Again, we'll discuss that in detail later on. Anyone who's listening and uh, tuning in now and says, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? We've discussed in the past. And you, you're not aware of what I'm talking about. You miss a lot of important classes in the subject of Muqsay. I don't try to promote my classes, but um, if you could find anything uh, in the past, anybody that that that, that discusses the laws of Mukseh is very, very important because, in my opinion, this is a subject that comes up every Shabbat and probably the most, it comes up the most because everything technically falls in the, the category of Mukseh and you have to know how to deal with it. A lot of the things that we deal with on a Shabbat to Shabbat basis, on every Shabbat, have to do with, you know, a lot of them are discussed in the past classes. So we recommend highly, if you don't find uh, somebody else and you're stuck with us, I think, you know, us is also good enough. Go to the Halakha Hour on jradio.com and go to the archives on the old classes of Mukseh. A lot of very important fundamental points over there. We will pick up again, like where we left off, in Mukseh Mahmad Gufo. Right now, we're going to talk about the first two halachot today, hopefully, with the time that we have. We're going to talk about the first two halachot in Parashat Vayigash, which deal with the following point, and that is transforming Mukseh Mahmad Gufo into Eklish Bakhtolehete. So before we discuss what that is, let's just give you a little bit of background. We have five categories of Mukseh, although there's really six. But five that we will be discuss that we've discussed or we will be discussing. One of the categories is klish melachtole isur or klish melachtole heter. That's one category. What it means is it's a utensil. A utensil by halacha a kli has a definition. It has a function. If it has a function, it's called a kli. Now, what the main purpose of that function is will determine its status if it's klish melachtole isur or leheter. If its main function is something that is permitted to be performed on Shabbat, it makes it a kli shemlachtol leheter. For example, a plate, a fork, a chair, a table. What's the chair? A chair is a kli, it's a utensil. It has a function, right? It's made to sit on it. Now, is sitting mutar on Shabbat? And the answer is yes. Sitting is mutar on Shabbat. So being that sitting 
I'm permitted to sit on Shabbat, and the chair is made that I should sit on on Shabbat. So therefore, the chair is categorized as a klisha. Good. Next, we are moving on to what? Muqsim Ahmad Gufo. Muqsim Ahmad Gufo is probably the exact opposite of Klisha Mechtolahetir. Klisha Mechtolahetir, the halakha tells us, you can move it for whatever reason. As long as you have some sort of reason, you can move it. You want to move the chair from one part of the room to the other part of the room because you want to sit on it or because you don't like the way it looks or even if you want to move the chair from the backyard into your house because it's going to rain and it's going to, and you don't want your chair to get ruined, it's mutar. You're allowed to move it. As long as you have some sort of reason with moving it, you're allowed to move it. Muqseh Muhammad Gufo is the exact other extreme. As opposed to which is a utensil that has a function, Muqseh Muhammad Gufo incorporates anything that has no purpose. It has no function. That's, that's not even called the keli. It has no function. For example, a piece of wood. You know, sometimes the branches fall off from the tree. So when the branches fell off from the tree and you come to your backyard and you see branches on the floor, those branches are Muqseh Muhammad Gufo. Whether they fell on Shabbat or they fell before Shabbat. Why is it Muqseh Muhammad Gufo? It's, not, it's nothing. It's a piece of wood. It has no function. And, or a piece of stone. Right? It has nothing, dirt, money. And we discussed in the past money, why money is considered Muqsim Muhammad Gufo. It's not a clean itself. You're not using it to do something with it. You purchase. It's a, it's a money. It's something that you purchase with it. So all things like that, stones, money, pieces of wood, all these kind of things have a deen Muqsim Muhammad Gufo. The halakha tells us that I cannot move it. Unlike Qalis Muqsim or even Qalis Muqsim when I need it for something, I could use it. Over here, I cannot move it. Even if on Shabbat, I decided, you know, I have a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes you have uh, people coming in and you're standing there holding the door. It's a heavy door. You don't want to sit there, stand there holding the door for everybody. People, a lot of people coming in. So you want to put a door stopper. You don't have a door stopper. So now it pops in your head, you know, we are making an extension in the back and I do have a few bricks. Let me go get a brick and put it down in front of the door and now we'll hold up the door. Great idea. No, not a great idea. Asur. Shabbat. It's mukseh. Why? It's a stone. It's made for building. And therefore, it's mukseh. But I'm using it as a doorstopper now. It doesn't make a difference. That's what mukseh Muhammad Gufo is. Mukseh Muhammad Gufo is a category of mukseh. If any item falls under this category, it is forbidden to move it for any reason. In a normal way, that is, with your hands. You could always kick it and other things. That's not the normal way. So... If I want to use now the cinder block or the stone to hold up my door, even though I've figured out a function for it on Shabbat, and it's not a function that says so, I'm just holding the door, doesn't make a difference. It came into Shabbat as Mukseh, it remains Mukseh the whole Shabbat. Now, the question is, one second, one second, what are you talking about, Rabbi? Hold on a second. So now you're telling me stones and wood are always Mukseh, so how do we have a wooden table? How do we have things made out of stone, benches made out of stone? I mean, everything was eventually was uh, essentially a stone and eventually became into a chair or something. So you tell me it stays a stone and remains muqsay the rest of its life? Obviously not. We see there's benches and tables and made out of scrap metal, whatever. So the answer is there's something called in halakha, yehud. Yehud is designation. Basically, the word that I'm using is going to be transforming. There's a way in halakha where I could transform something 
that is muksem Ahmad Gufo, like a stone or wood branches or whatever it may be, I could transform them into a klis mlachtolheter. However, before we get to how and what's going to be and, and all the details, you have to know that this transforming could only happen before Shabbat. This is a very important rule. Shabbat freezes everything. What I mean by that is that when something comes into Shabbat in a certain status, here we're discussing Mukseh, right? So if something comes into Shabbat in the status of Mukseh, it remains that way throughout the whole Shabbat. You could only transform an item before Shabbat. You could only switch its visa, switch its citizenship, basically, from Mukseh Ahmad Gufo to Kris Mahtol Heter. Before Shabbat comes in. Once Shabbat comes in, you're stuck with what you decided before. Now, how to do that, we'll talk about them as that's what we're going to talk about. So, let me just tell you the outline of what we're going to do. First, what we're going to do is, we're going to go to the Shulchan Aruch. Usually, I know we read from the Ben Isha, we don't discuss Maran so much. But here, we need to bring examples from Maran, Shulchan Aruch, Saman Shin Het. We're going to bring you a few examples where Maran discusses this idea where I'm taking things on Muqseb Ahmad Gufo and I want to now use them on Shabbat. But I'm doing this, obviously, I'm preparing myself from before Shabbat. How do I do it? How do I transform something from Muqseb Ahmad Gufo to a Kriyus Menachtol Heter? So we're going to bring a few examples and show us what Maran said about them and learn the rule from the examples of Maran and then apply it here. Now, I have in my notes that I should read the Benish High. And that's really the classes that to understand the Benish Hai from the inside. A lot of people I know are using these classes to go through the words of the Benish Hai. It doesn't look like I have enough time to go through the Benish Hai inside. So therefore, I'll tell you that if you look, hopefully if you if you hear what we're saying, I hope it will be clear enough that when you come to read the Benish Hai, it should be also clear and understandable. Okay? Once, let me, before I lose everybody and... Uh, if I know yet, once we discuss these rules of transforming Muqsim Ahmad Gufo into Kris Mahtol Heter, we will bring examples, uh, practical examples, how they will apply in our days, when to apply it. So, you'll forgive me for a second to go to the Halakha right now, where the Halakha discusses things that may not be relevant in our days, as we'll discuss later, but still, we want to understand the source of the law, because when you understand the source and the reason, you'll know how to apply it later on. Let's begin. I'm not going to read it inside, I'm going to tell you outside. Branches from a palm tree that a person has cut up for firewood. In those days, the heating was through firewood. I know we forgot what the the, the, the heater is this year because Baruch Hashem, we had a wonderful winter, very, very warm. I'm sorry for those who sell boots and, um, and what's it called, winter coats, I feel bad. But in any case... Back then, the way they used to warm up their houses was with firewood. That's simple, a chimney or whatever it may be. So let's say a person before Shabbat had wood that was chopped up in order to use it for firewood. So let me ask you now, what's this wood made for? To be burnt. So what category of is this? It's not a kli. It's firewood. It's nothing. So the branches have a status of muqseh Ahmad gufo. It's made to be burnt. It's not made to be used as something to, 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 you know, for any, it's not a kli, it doesn't have a function. So it's Muqsev Ahmad Gufo, right? So now, says Shulchan Aruch, what if a person, what if a person wants to use a manchabat? For what? He wants to use it as a chair. Right? He wants to take it and use it as a chair. 
how could I transform this firewood that I have into a chair? How, do I have to actually physically make it into a chair? Because technically I could just sit on it. So the Aharonim point out to just sit on it, that's not a big deal. To just go ahead and sit on, on Mukseh, even though it might move, who cares how you're moving it? You're not moving it with your hands. You're just sitting on it. Here we're talking about that you're, you want to move this pile of wood from one area to another, which will put you now into the category of Mukseh. Could you handle this? Is this Mukseh or not? So now I want to handle it. I have guests coming over. If I run out of chairs, I want to use this pile of wood as a chair. Could I, how do I do it? How do I transform from fire into a chair? So we find in the Gemara three different ways. Three different ways. Number one is, and by the way, Shohan Aruch brings all of these ways. But there's a, those answers in the Gemara, the three different ways in the Gemara, it's also trickles over into Halakha. And Halakha also we find three different ways that I could transfer them. Number one is by using them during the week for what I want to use them for. For example, I have the pile of wood over here. I want to use it to sit down on it, right? By sitting on it during the week as a chair, that already that makes it into a chair. That's one way. Another way is, method number two is, by thinking about it, says Johanna Ruki, you can also think about the pile of wood and before Shabbat comes in, think, have in your mind, I want to use, you don't have to actually speak it out. It's a mahlokit actually between Mishabra and the Ben Ishai. But in any case, I think about the fact that I want to use this pile of wood as a chair on Shabbat. As long as you thought about it, you planned that they should become a chair before Shabbat. So on Shabbat, you've now transformed it. It becomes like a chair, has a status of a chair, which is Klish Machdol Leheter. The third way that we find some Rishonim bring down is I actually have to do a physical change to them. I have to take them and tie them up. If I take the pile of wood and I tie it together for the sake of turning it into a chair, that's how I transform it from a Mukseh Muhammad Gufo to... Those are the three ways that Shohan Aruch brings down. Lehalakha, Maran holds by the case of these branches that it's sufficient enough to just use it once during the week. That's like the low, that's the easiest thing to do. That's the lowest level in halakha. What we would call the most mekil, the most lenient. If I would if I would have these piles of wood and I sit on it during the week. Here today, Wednesday, I have the pile of wood. I sit on it. Now on Shabbat, somebody needs an extra chair. I can take those pile of wood and bring it to them. Here, sit down. Why? I use it once in a week. That's good enough. Okay. Fine. So now we move on now. Okay, so that seems pretty simple. So it sounds like if I want to make Muqseh Muhammad Gufo, something that's Muqseh Muhammad Gufo, I want to turn it into a Christ I can do so on Shabbat. But before Shabbat, anytime before Shabbat, as long as I use it, it sounds like it's good enough. Then we move on to the next halakha, and all of a sudden, Maran, Shohan Aruch, brings down a different case that completely uh, confuses us. Maran brings a case that the Rambam brings down regarding rows of cinder block. I have cinder block. You know the cinder blocks that they use in homes to make the walls? So now I have rows of cinder block, and... I am putting, I, and I want to sit on them on Shabbat. Obviously, again, I'm not just sitting on it. I need to move it to sit on it. So if I would ask you, after learning halakha khaf, and I ask you, how would you turn cinder blocks from which are muqseh Ahmad gufo, 
How do you turn them before Shabbat into what we would call what? Klisim el heter. How do you turn into a chair? What would you tell me? You'd say, oh, very simple. You know what you do? You sit on them during the week, right? I would say the same thing, right? Maran says, no, however, this doesn't, what well, we just told you to sit on the, the branches, it wouldn't work that way. Even if you plan to use them, right? Even if you plan to use them, it was not good enough. So it's not good enough to actually use them during the week for a chair. It's not good enough to plan to use them on Shabbat. He says the Shohar Aruch, you know what you have, if you want to use the cinder blocks of Shabbat, you know what you have to do? You actually have to set it up as a chair. You have to actually do a physical change to it. Take it and set it up as a chair. Then you've designated before Shabbat as a chair by setting it up. And that's also good enough to use it now as a chair. Whoa, what's going on? What happened all of a sudden? Why did you switch? Why by the branches you told me I could just use them during the week and that's good enough? I don't even have to think about it more. And over here, when it comes to the cinder blocks, which seemingly it's the same thing, you tell me, no. You know what you have to do? You have to actually set them up by the cinder blocks. And if you want to get more confused, I'm not trying to confuse you, but you go to the next halakha, halakha kafbet. Shohana Rukh brings another interesting halakha. Again, you have a stone. But I'm not talking about a small little stone that you're throwing on the birds or whatever. We're talking about you have like a little bit of a larger stone. And now you want to use it as a cover for a barrel. Okay? You want to use it as a cover for a barrel. Says Shohana Rukh, you are not allowed to use it as a cover for a barrel. Even if you plan on it beforehand, good enough. Okay, so what do you tell me? You want me to designate it? Fine, I'll designate it like the way you told me by the bricks. I'll use it as a cover. I'll actually physically pick it up during the weekday and I'll put it as a cover on my barrel for the sake to be a cover. Is that good enough? No, it's not good enough. You must have kavana that this... Um, stone, which I'm planning to use as a cover, you must have in mind that this will be a permanent cover. This will be, as long as I need it, this stone will only be used as a cover. I need what we call in halakha a permanent designation. Yehud al-Ulam. I need to use it for always as a cover for the barrel. Whoa, what happened? So now we're thrown into something else. Now you're telling me I need to designate it forever. You never mentioned something about forever beforehand. It sounds like if you just sit on it, it's good enough. Then you tell me, okay, you have to set it up. Now you tell me, no, 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 it has to be always used for this purpose. And I'll bring you the fourth halakha, which really confuses everything. Again, our intention is not to confuse you, but this will clarify everything in a second. Fourth halakha says, if I want to take a stone and I want to use it to crack nuts, you, you need to designate it. How do you designate it? Well, you want to say it's, you could think about it, but you don't have to designate like I told you by the, the stone on top of the barrel. You just have to de- designate for one week. That means you plan to use it for this Shabbat as what? You plan to use it to crack the nuts? That's good enough. After Shabbat, you want to throw it back into the pile of stones? That's also good. Not like the case of the barrel where I told you you need the cover, you need the stone to be designated as a cover for the barrel forever. Here, to crack the nuts with the stone before Shabbat, plan that you're going to use this stone, the specific stone to crack the nuts, and it's good enough. And the obvious question is, Why do I find over here four different methods or four different ways 
to make Muqsem, to transform Muqsem Ahmad Gufo into Kalish Maktoul Heter? The answer is, Abotai, this is based on all the Ahronim, from the Beit Yosef, all the way to the Mishnah Berura, and everybody else. The explanation is as follows. Let's go through each case. We said by the case of the branches, it's good enough to sit on it during the week, as long as you used it, even if you don't have intention to use it on Shabbat, but as long as you used it once, that's good enough. And Kavahom, if you thought about it. Why? So Mishnah Berura explains, in their days, when a person has branches of wood, it could have went either way. Some people actually chopped branches of wood and that was their chair. That, they would just use a pile of wood to sit on it. And that's why they would chop it. So now a guy has branches of wood, it could go either way. Sometimes they use it as a chair, sometimes they use it as a firewood. So therefore, since this case that Maran brings down, where you had branches that were made for firewood, the way they became says, through mahshaba, through you, what you thought in your mind to use them for, which is firewood. So therefore, it's sufficient to think about them for something that's mutar, to take them out of the category mukseh, to transfer them from mukseh mahad gufo into klis mehtol heter. It's good enough to also think about it, or as Malan rules, to even sit on it from before Shabbat. However, the case of the cinder blocks where he said it's not good enough to think about it, you actually have to make a physical change to it, there the Beit Yosef explains, because cinder blocks, when they're made into cinder blocks, what are they made for? They're not made to sit on. They're made to put them in a building. They're made for construction. And construction is makes it like a regular stone, which is Muqsim Ahmad Gufo. So therefore, to transform it now, you need a more aggressive form of transformation. And that is... It does, you have to designate it through action. You actually have to take it and set it up. You need a physical action to it. Take it, set it up. And this will apply in any other case as well. You'll have to physically make it action to it. So how come when it comes now, the question is, do I need to designate it forever or just for one week? And that's what we have the next two halakhot. The case where I want to cover my barrel with a stone, it's not a normal case. Even in their days, nobody covered barrels with stone. It's a weird thing. It's not made. Stones are not made to cover barrels. Open barrels are not used. We don't use stones. Does it work? Yeah, it could work. Whenever you want to use Muqsim Ahmad Gufo for something that's weird, that it's not a normal way, so then you, it's not good enough to designate it, but it needs a permanent designation, which means you have to have a mind to use it as long as you need it and not to throw it back and not to transform it back into Kli, into Muqsim Ahmad Gufo. So in this case of the barrel, I have an open barrel, I need to cover it. Now, I want to be able to open it and cover it on Shabbat because I have wine inside and I want to take wine on Shabbat. How do I make the, the stone, which is going to be my cover on the barrel, how do I make it to Klis Bakhtol I have to have a mind that this stone will be, as long as I need it, will be the cover of the barrel. I can't have a mind to do something else with the stone, to put it back to be a stone after I'm done with it. And finally, the case where I use a stone to crack nuts, there the explanation is as follows. In the days, it was a very common thing to take a stone and to crack nuts with it. But in general, all stones are mukseh. If I want to use a stone to crack nuts, since it's a normal way to do it, since it's a normal function to take stones and crack nuts, all I need to do is designation for one Shabbat. Designation for just the Shabbat, even though after Shabbat I'm planning to put it back in a pile of stones, that's good enough to transform Muqseh Muhammad Gufo into Kli Shemlachto Leheter. So, 
Let's get back now to um, summary. Let's summarize and make it a little bit simpler. In order to transform Muqseh Ahmad Gufo into Klis Mahtol Heter, so look at the item that you have in front of you, if it's Muqseh Ahmad Gufo. It has to be classified into, now nah, you want to transfer, you want to use it now on Shabbat. You have to have one of these two things in mind. I mean, it's got to fall into one of these two categories, the Muqseh Ahmad Gufo. Number one is that whatever I'm plan to use it for, it's a normal function. For example, to use, uh, in their days, to use a stone to crack the nuts, that's a normal thing back then. So, it's either the mukseh, the stone, it's a normal function to use it for such an item, or it's not a normal function. No, people don't usually do that. It's not a common thing that's done. It's not made for it. So in a case where it's made for, it's a normal function, it's normal to use a stone to crack the nuts, there I need designation. How? Either by using it once or by thinking about it and planning to use it. And certainly if I shape the stone in a certain way that will crack the nuts better, even for one Shabbat, that's good enough. That stone becomes mutar to use this Shabbat and every Shabbat. However, in a case where it's not a normal thing to use mukse for it, I'm planning to use a stone as, as a baseball. Well, baseball in general is a problem. Let's, let's skip that example. I'm planning to use a, uh, what's it called, a leaf, you know, the leaves when they fall in the fall from, from the tree. I'm planning to use one of those leaves to blow my nose in it. That's not a normal thing. Could it be done? Yeah, but it's not a normal thing. So, because you thought about it, it doesn't mean it. So now, on, if you want to use that for Shabbat, on Friday or any time before Shabbat, you got to take the leaf, of course, when it's off the tree, and designate it that it should be used as a napkin permanently. If you plan to wash it and you reuse it, you're only going to use it for this. You don't have to actually wash it. You could dispose of it right afterwards. But basically, the intention is that this item now will turn into a napkin. That is the logic behind it. When it is something that I that is not a normal, when Muqseh Muhammad Gufo is something that's not normally used, I need a permanent designation because I need a full transformation. This leaf will now turn into a napkin. So like any napkins, once you're done with it, you get rid of it. You don't put it back into the, okay, let the recycling company do whatever they want, but you yourself don't plan on reusing it again. I mean to say, back as a, as, a, as a leaf. So that's what you got to do over here. You need to designate the Muqseh Muhammad Gufo that should be permanently as a Klis Heter. These are the rules. I know it's not a, such a simple thing, but but we will bring you some practical applications. You should know that in our days, being that we live in a, in a, in a society where pretty much anything that we need, there's somebody who creates, especially with online you can think about anything that you need and you'll see that somebody produces it. You need a door stopper, nobody's going to go use a brick. Even if they're extending in the back and they have some bricks, nobody's going to do that. Right? Because we have something called a rubber door stopper. Whatever you could think about, we have something that we will use for them. So really, in our days, anytime you want to take something obviously from before Shabbat, you want to use something that's usually that would be Muqseh Muhammad Gufo, if you want to turn it into you will need a permanent designation. You have to use it forever. Let me give you an example. You know, this could happen, happens. Let's say 
you're in the mountains, you're away from your normal habitat, or in a place where you can't find such a thing. You need a door stopper. A few minutes before Shabbat, and you don't have time to run to the 99 cent store or a hardware store to get those rubber door stoppers, and you need something to hold it because you have a lot of things coming in and you can't have the door swinging back and forth. So now you want to take a stone and use it as a door stopper. Since today, no, normally people don't do such a thing. So therefore, you're going to have to, before Shabbat, have in mind that this cinder block will be my door stopper. After Shabbat, I can't plan that the cinder block will be going back into the building structure. That's it. This is now your doorstopper. Okay? Good. So that's one example. Another case. Sometimes the table is a little not sturdy. It's not shaking up. The chair is not even. The, the, the bookcase, you see, it's not even. So you want to take now some scrap wood and put it under to balance the table, to balance the chair. And you're scared that it's going to happen over on Shabbat because, you know, sometimes, you know, the chairs have the mind of their own like computers and all of a sudden this will happen, that will happen. So you want to prepare something for that on Shabbat, before Shabbat. On Shabbat, you can't just take a scrap wood and use it. Before Shabbat, you have to plan that these pieces of wood are going to be made to balance my chair, to be balance my table, to balance my bookcase. Because bookcase, as long as it's not attached to the wall, it's not mukse, just because it's big and heavy. Good. Another case, you're in the mountains. And kids come home with branches and everything else. Or it's, you know, before like Bama, you're living in Israel where people collect wood and all these kind of things. So all of a sudden you hurt your foot. You don't have a walking stick. But you want to use now one of those big branches. You want to use it as a walking stick. Maybe you look like, uh, you know... What they, what they display as Moshe Rabbeinu, right? With a, or you want to reenact, how about this? You want to reenact the Aysel Makot with the sticks. You want to take one of those branches and use it as a stick. So you, before Shabbat, you must designate the stick that will be your walking stick forever. You cannot say, I'm going to use it for this Shabbat, and then after Shabbat, I'll give it back to you so you can put it in your pile of wood to use it for the Lag Bomber fire in three months from now. You must designate forever. Good? That is the practi- practical halakha. There's a few more details. We don't have time right now to go through all these details, but next week, because I know this halakha is not so simple, next week we'll come back, um, review this halakha in short with its practicality and discuss the details that we missed. And hopefully it will be clear. And I really hope that you go back and you review this halakhot. They're very, very important. It's aval that if you study the Chod Mukse up till now and you don't do a full review on it, it's very, very important that we should do review because to have them, to know them, it's very, very important. Anyway, we have a few seconds left. We're signing off. We want to give thanks to Nisim, Iran, and the whole J Radio staff and company for all their work and tremendous efforts. We thank you for listening. This class will be aired on again tonight at 10 p.m. If you have any questions, you could call in right now, 718-683-5858, or you could text at 347-927-8398. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbat Shalom. We'll see you next week.